Welcome to Mix Understood, where we explore identity, the meaning of the word race, and talk about the multicultural and multiracial experience with stories from our own lives. I'm Amy. And I'm Hannah Lee. And in today's episode, we will be looking into the hugely talked about topic of AI regulation or lack thereof in this critical and pivotal moment in history. We'll be focusing on the entertainment industry, given that the SAG Actors Union strike has passed 100 days this week and AI has been one of the main sticking points in the negotiations. We recently came across a compelling article titled Why AI Replacing Actors is a Threat to Diversity and Cultural Progress. It really struck a chord with us because we hadn't thought of the implications of AI from this angle. It was featured in the Mixed Asian Media site and originally published on Medium and was written by Joanna Key, who we will be chatting to today. That's what we're fighting for right now. It's about so much more than, you know, getting paid to be scanned or whatever. It's about our culture, our society, and your rights as a human being that you're fighting for. Lift one eyebrow and like put your tongue this way and turn your right eyeball to this side. It was like really, really challenging. Who isn't actually real, she's an avatar. And I mean, I was even surprised to read this. She's been in vogue. She's got loads of campaigns. She's got millions of followers, but yet she's not real. Before we dive into the episode, it's important for us to say that we are here to offer up stories, ideas and various theories for you to consider and obviously decide for yourself in light of your own knowledge and experience. We hope to explore, learn and grow together with you. We're not professing to have the answers. Our aim is to simply start conversations around these topics. Welcome, Joanna! Welcome! Hello! Great to be here with you. Oh, thank you so much for coming on to our show. It means a lot to us. We're very excited to chat to you. It's let's, truly an honor. Oh, well, let's properly introduce you. Taiwanese, Irish, Polish, American-born Joanna is an award-winning filmmaker that thrives in the industry as an actor, writer, script consultant, and producer. She champions diverse stories led by women both behind and in front of the camera. Under her production company, St. Joan Productions, Joanna wrote, produced, and starred in the fantasy action film Protectress, which won 11 awards in the film festival circuit, including Best Fantasy, Best Action, and Best Performance. Joanna runs the Twitter account at Femme Characters, highlighting the unfortunate way women are often portrayed on screen. She has been a regular contributing writer to two industry blogs, we Screenplay and Miss in the Biz. And somehow, amongst all of this, she is also a trained action actor that specialises in sword fighting. Well, uh, we usually like to do a few fun facts. Would you like to share? I would some? love to. One of them you already know, so I'm going to save that one until last. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, we know what that is. It, yeah, we, know we had that. quite the reaction yesterday when you told us. We were like, don't tell us anymore, just save it. <laughs> exactly. Well, I guess I'll start off with a um, fun fact about me. Um, I, I, I was born with an underbite. I had really terrible teeth when I was young. You wouldn't know it now. 
thank mm-hmm. my mother and my orthodontist and my dentist. And so when I was a kid, I had to wear um, a mask. Uh, it was like a retainer that had hooks on it. And, and then I had to put this mask on it, like connected to the retainer with these rubber bands. And so it would push, it pushed my jaw back. <laughs> when I was a kid, I had a lot of gear in my mouth and, um, and then I wore braces after that because like my front teeth came in with one in the front and one in the back. Um, so, uh, I had a lot of surgeries and things when I was a kid. Surgeries as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I had, I have really great teeth now. You do. Yeah. It was all worth it, but yeah. So you would never know. Wow. Yeah. What a thing to have had to go through. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I hate the dentist. Um, but, <laughs> um, and then, um, another fun fact about me is that I love everything paranormal like supernatural stuff. Like when I was little, you know, all like my friends were reading Babysitter's Club, that kind of thing. And I had like books about aliens and ghosts and I would like hide them from people because I was like, nobody else is reading about this but me. I'm impressed because I'm still too scared to read a lot of those things. Oh, really? I get nightmares. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Now X-Files was one of my favorite shows growing up. I was like, Oh, and I, I actually wanted to be like a, um, paranormal investigator, just like them for a little bit. I considered that as a career <laughs> for a short amount of time. If I wasn't doing what I was doing, then I'd be doing that. Yeah. Well, that definitely leads us to number three. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. So fun fact number three is, um, that I sleep with my eyes open <laughs> what (laughs) (laughs) I know it's I had no idea I mean who would know you know that you did that why would you know that about yourself because you're asleep so I was at um I wear contacts and I was at the optometrist just getting my annual eye exam and so she looked at my eyes and she went over to her computer and she's making her notes and she's just like okay you know this this and that and and then just very casually okay and then you sleep with your eyes open and I was like what (laughs) wait (laughs) like that's not anything I knew before and then she explained to me how um, apparently if you sleep with your eyes open um, there's uh, a part of the whites of your eyes where if when they're looking at it they can see that there's a pattern of dryness and that's how they can tell that you sleep with your eyes open which I had no idea about so apparently I do so it must be kind of common, the fact that she said it in a, such a blasé way. Yeah, it sounds like it is pretty common, actually. It was just like, have some eye drops. <laughs> I wonder if there's like a, a Facebook group for the open eye sleepers. <laughs> <laughs> Join a club. I mean, how would we know, you know, so I was like, how many people don't know this about themselves? You could, you could yeah. like post pictures of yourselves yeah. sleeping, Does quote unquote. Um, <laughs> So your mum is Taiwanese and your dad, the other side, is Irish and Polish. What was it like for you growing up as a mixed child? Um, Well, so I was born in St. Louis, but I grew up in Houston in Texas. And um, my mom, um, she immigrated, she grew up on a farm in Taiwan, and then she came here. She's the only one of her brothers and sisters that is in America. So all of my, um, the Asian side of my family is in Taiwan, and I wasn't really spending time with them when I was young because of that. 
my mom and my ama, my grandma, she came from Taiwan to help raise us um, because my uh, parents were divorced when I was really young. And, um, and so I really had an Asian upbringing. I really identify with that um, more so than, you know, the white part of me. Um, like, you know, every night we ate Taiwanese food. Um, we like my first language was Mandarin. I don't speak it anymore because I haven't needed it. Um, but I can understand still some of what my mom says. And so when I was growing up, I didn't really notice, I didn't really notice it at first. And then I think it was kind of, I remember I was in like first or second grade and there was just like this awareness that started to dawn on me. And I feel like it was because of seeing other kids' parents come to school. It was mm -hmm. like, oh, other kids aren't like, they don't have um, two different races. Like they're, all of their parents are the kind of look the same. Um, and then I remember, um, so in Texas, they have this standardized testing, you know, that they do for um, the kids in school. And um, my two sisters, um, they were marked as Asian on their tests and mine said white. And it was just kind of like those things that start to, you know, you just start to notice it and become aware of it. And like going to my friend's houses, I'm like, oh, your parents aren't, you know, your parents are both the same or you guys don't really have the same kind of culture as, you know, we do in our house. You know, like I grew up with everything Asian. We went to Taiwanese church on the weekend. Um, it was just, um, that was really more of what my life was. Um, but, you know, I was never mistaken for, um, even I, I'm more white passing than I am. Like nobody mistakes me for full Asian. Like if anybody mistakes me for anything, they mistake me for white. Um, and, or when I was growing up, I would get mistaken for, um, Native American. Um, especially when I'm more tan, I'm very pale right now, or I have, um, had people come up to me and they just start speaking Spanish, um, especially in Texas. And so I was, I'm just like, I don't, you know, that's, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> um, so that, you know, I guess it was kind of like a lot of kind of feeling that otherness growing up. Yeah. I, I, um, I'm curious, I know you, you mentioned your dad wasn't around, but have you ever, you know, looked into your, your Polish Irish background or not really? Um, no, I, and I, you know, it's actually only recently that I was like, I wonder what's going on over there. You know, what's, <laughs> uh, on that side, um, like, you know, my sister, one of my sisters actually recently went to Ireland and, um, apparently we have, there's like a ton of people over there that like could be related to us. Um, mm -hmm. so like, you know, I'm, I'm curious about it, but I haven't really looked into it, but even, you know, on my uh, Taiwanese side, I haven't necessarily looked into it. I just know more about it because my mom, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. was there telling us all about it and, you know, talking to us about, you know, moon festival and Chinese new year and all, you know, like that's just what I grew up with. So it's not necessarily that like, I consciously, you know, was like diving into the Asian side of me. It was just like, that's just what was there, you know, when I was growing up. Yeah. Yeah. I used to say, and I feel, I think you guys have talked about this before. I used to call myself half Asian and, and then after a while, it didn't really feel good to me. So it's like, I'm not half of anything. And that's actually not what my experience is. I feel like I am this and I am that. And I'm also the wholeness of these two or, you know, many things actually all together. How we refer to ourselves makes a big difference on our psyche and how we're seen and how we feel about ourselves. So if you're constantly 
saying I'm only half of something, I'm only half of something, then I think that kind of it affects your identity, affects the way that, you know, it's again, it plays into that, like, where do I fit in? Because I am not even a full part of something, but that's not true. How does Hollywood perceive you as white passing or Asian? I think for the large part that Hollywood perceives me as white or ethnically ambiguous, it's mm-hmm. it's one of the two. But, you know, there's not, I'm, you know, I'm sure that you guys have experienced this. It's not like there's all these roles written for ethnically ambiguous or mixed characters. Yeah. So, of course, I mean, the majority of my auditions and the things I've gone out for or booked are white characters. That's one of the reasons why um, I wrote and I produced um, the film that you talked about, you know, in my introduction, Protectress, because I've worked at a, as a professional script reader for almost 10 years. Um, I'm no longer doing that. I do script consulting now. But when I started doing that, it really opened up my eyes to see that, like, the roles that I want to play are just not being written um, whether it be, a, you know, a complex female character or just simply, you know, a character that's mixed. And so it's like, if I'm going to play something, then I need to create it. If I'm going to, you know, if I want it, then I'm going to have to do it myself. Um, and I think that is something that is so needed, particularly for um, mixed race uh, characters, because we just haven't had a chance to have our stories to be told. Yeah. In your article, you you mentioned this situation you found yourself on, on, on a project. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so in my article, um, one of the things that I talk about is um, inauthentic representation and how AI could um, be, you know, bring that forward for us more so actually than is already here. And um the reason, one of the reasons why I see that and I can see that in the future is because of this experience that I had. Um, I remember we were shooting a scene at a bar. I like, I I can remember everything. Like I was at a pool table. I was like, had some lines while I was like shooting some pool. And um, the director, I just, he, she was just very unhappy with um, what was I just like seeing in her, you know, you guys know that experience of like being on set and like, you can tell the director's not happy, but you don't know what the hell to do, you know, different. Yeah. (laughs) They're just like looking at you, you know, and, um, and I was just like, okay, you know, I don't know uh, what to do. And then, so finally um, they were just like, um, just do, do everything that you did, but do it with your eyes as wide open as you can. So I did it. Felt really awkward and strange to me. And then they're, they're like, that's it. Uh, and and they were just so happy with that, that my, you know, I looked a different way on camera. And so they showed me the footage and, they were, and then um, they were like, see, like trying to help me see, like, look at, you know, this is how you look better on camera and telling me that I should do that anytime I was, I was on camera. And then this person meant well, they were mm-hmm. trying to, but it was, it just goes to the ignorance of, you know, um, like, I don't even know if this person actually knew that I'm mixed, um, you know, and so to like give that advice to anyone, even if I wasn't mixed would be strange. But if, you know, right now actors are in the middle of fighting for their rights to consent and compensation over their images when it comes to artificial intelligence. So if we're in a situation, let's say we're in the future where, you know, 
actors do not have that right. We've lost that right. You know, strike is over. We lost everything with AI, you know, producers, studios, directors, they can do whatever the hell they want with Mm -hmm. our images. And so with mixed race people or somebody like me, um, this director would have had the opportunity to make me look however they wanted me to look. And in their opinion, you know, me with wide eyes, which is, you know, I'm aware, like my eyes kind of show my mixed ethnicity. Um, but to this person, that didn't look good. And so instead, people will have the opportunity to change us to look how they approve of us looking. Yeah. And then that's what's going to be put out there rather than what does a real mixed race person look like? You know, and because we haven't had that opportunity to be on screen and have our stories told as much, it's it's so important for anybody that's diverse, but especially mixed race people to have that authority and agency over what we look like on screen and in the work that we do as actors. And just on top of that, I guess another problem and the only reason why I know about this is because of your article, because you talk about a big supermodel called Shudu Graham, who isn't actually real. She's an avatar. And I mean, I was even surprised to read this. She's been in vogue. She's got loads of campaigns. She's got millions of followers, but yet she's not real. But the worrying thing is, is that she's been created by a white man who not only has created her, but also controls her. And she's representing a black woman. But the thing is, is that any money that she makes, all the profits are going to go to him rather than to black women. So essentially people on the payroll are not are not diverse. Exactly. And that's, you know, it speaks to um, uh, Sinead Bovell is a futurist. And um, I mentioned her in my article and um, she came up with this term, the illusion of diversity. And which is speaking to that, which is, you know, it looks like on the outside, a company or a studio or whatever is advocating for diversity or being diverse or including people, you know, having this inclusion, but it's actually not real at all. In fact, it's the complete opposite. It's actually, it's like a ripoff, you know, it's like a bait and switch. Actually, it's a white guy behind the camera, you know, like it's not, um, you know, and is that okay? You know, are we okay with that as a society? Um, And that's like one of the big questions, I think, with artificial intelligence that we all have to answer for ourselves. Like, does that is that morally right to us? Because especially through, you know, stories are where we pass down our values and our morals as a society, like throughout history. That's what stories have been there for. So if we start doing this, what is the impact that that's going to have? And then it's taking away opportunity and money from Mm -hmm. the diverse people who could be in those roles. Another part to this that Bavel talks about is it's not just about the compensation. It's it's about these people's authority over their identity. There's um, the moral question of like digital cultural appropriation here because people from different ethnicities are making decisions about what these models are wearing and what they're representing and maybe what campaigns they're taking on that potentially those women of color would have not wanted to do. So that's another part to it that we need to really think about. Is this ethically okay to do? Um, It's, yeah, it's complicated and there's a lot that goes into it and 
you know, hence why we need regulated AI and we're fighting for that, you know, um, with the actors union. um, And obviously we mentioned that the strike has passed 100 days this week. Yeah, so one of one of the things that really um, upset the actors was uh, when we got news that the um, AMPTP basically proposed that they would scan background actors and pay them for one days of work, and then their companies would be able to use their image and likeness in perpetuity um, without additional compensation, whatever. The AMPTP have denied saying this, and they said that they would only be allowed to use background actors' as digital likeness for that particular film they're working on, but SAG doesn't seem... SAG says uh, that's not true. <laughs> in an article written for the Huffington Post in July 2023, a guy who's actually a non-union background actor, he says about his own um, experience... He just, I'm just going to read out from here. An LA-based background actor who requested anonymity for fear of reprisals said that he and other other non-union extras were essentially required to be scanned while working on an upcoming Netflix series. Dressed in tuxedos and, count, and gowns for a party scene, the extras went into production trucks where production assistants scanned them like they would for characters on Marvel and stuff, um, like the action figures, he said. And that was that. And... This just makes me angry because I feel like, you know, when you when you go onto a film set, you're so, like, especially as a background actor, oh, like, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. This is amazing. And you just kind of get expected to do things with things not really explained to you. And it annoys me because I feel like I've been in that position a few times, especially earlier in my career, that I just didn't know what the hell was happening. And it was just, like, given that I would accept that and just do it. Yeah. You mentioned in your article, another aspect of this is we are stifling emerging talent. So a lot of actors get their their foot in the door by starting to be background actors. And then if we're already scanning and, and owning their likeness when they haven't even started to build their career, it's it could get in the way of giving a proper platform to these actors. A lot of them potentially BIPOC actors. Yeah. Because if the studios already have their likeness and voice and everything, they don't need to hire them from, for a job. Down the road. Absolutely. And that's an example of how our cultural progress can be debilitated. Because if we are taking away opportunity and also money, particularly from diverse peoples that already don't have a lot of opportunities or receive as much pay or compensation, um, then, you know, I in my article, I give the example of somebody like Margaret Cho. Um, who was just a groundbreaking female AAPI comedian. You know, I mean, like also just like paving the way for queer visibility. She's an incredible human being that has helped to just be a trailblazer for so many different contributions to our culture. But if we have somebody like her um, that today is starting out as a background actor um, and they just scan her and decide to use her however they want. And then she has no say in um, where she's used, how she's used and receives no pay for it. Um, then she's going to have to make different choices for her career and her life. And we're going to miss out on, we as a culture, we as a society will not receive the skills, the talents, the contributions that she has to offer. So everything, you know, that we have achieved in our progress in diversity so far. Yeah. 
gets erased now or doesn't get to go any further than where it's been. I just worked on my first video game this past year. And so I was kind of clueless about the rules and regulations around all that and um, showed up for work and they, you know, they were like, okay, today we're going to scan your face. And uh, basically you sit there for a few hours and you do every possible facial expression that exists. You, you, I, there were some of those facial expressions that I couldn't even do because they were really hard. They were like, lift one eyebrow and like put your tongue this way and turn your right eyeball to this side. It was like really, really challenging. Um, and you're sitting in this, like, you sit inside this, like, uh, ball of cameras that are capturing your face from every possible angle. And they were, they were getting like the whites of my eyes. They were getting every tooth in my mouth, Mm -hmm. my tongue, everything. Um, and I got paid for that just the daily rate for one day of work. And there's, I'm not going to get any residuals off of that because also, Video games, you know, they're not regulated in in that way yet, which is another thing that we're fighting Mm -hmm. for right now. But yeah, it was, it was really freaky. And then I asked around other actors and I was like, is this normal? Is everyone just like getting scanned like this uh, for just a day rate pay, you know, and that's it. Um, And they were like, yeah, that's what's going on. I, I actually did the same. I feel really embarrassed to say it, but I did the same thing. I went, <laughs> I got flown to Serbia to do the same thing, sat in a globe of cameras, and but I was like, oh, cool, you know, I'm doing a, I'm working, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing this, and, but it was my agent that sent me there. My agent didn't say, I don't think you should do this, it's, you know, you should think about whether you really want to do this and the repercussions or anything like that. No, nothing. I just hope it, wow. I hope that, all gets put in a bin and uh, or a trash can and no one ever, it doesn't ever see the light of day. What was it for? Was it for a video game too? I, I don't even know. They didn't even specify. They, I think it was for a video game company, yeah. But they didn't specify what video game it was for or anything. Was it before you joined SAG? Oh, yeah. It was when I was working in England. Mm-hmm. Ugh, yeah. Yeah. I hope that if we do... Um, managed to make progress on this front that we could protect people that, like us, that have already been scanned for certain things. I mean, my scan can only be used by that company and I think for that game, not for just like anything across the board. But still, it was just, I felt, it felt invasive. It felt like they were just getting every little piece of me. And I was Mm. like, they could create, if they wanted to, if they wanted to, they could create anything now. And that is scary. It's a scary feeling. And as as actors, we'll just blindly do things because it's just this mentality that, you know, I'm not going to say everybody, but a lot of people have that will just do whatever is asked because who are we to say, no, I I can't do that. And, you know, it's important that we that we know what we're fighting for with, with the union 
and why. Absolutely. That was something that came uh, up very early in the negotiations. I remember um, the MPTP saying something, I forget if it was to the WGA or to SAG, but basically like we should just be thankful that we get to do anything. Oh my God. And, um, but it's that mentality. We are artists and we have something to offer. Um, And a lot of us, I think particularly actors, you know, like we are trained to deliver what somebody, you know, somebody else's vision is, you know, we're Mm -hmm. there to help the director bring to life, whatever it is. And so we're kind of wired in a certain way, but then when you combine that with this pressure and this mentality that is in there, you know, with the higher ups that we should just be thankful to be there, um, you know, it creates an environment that isn't healthy. Not equal at all. No, not at all. And and not seen as people, but seen as a product, just seen as a thing. Um, when I was writing my article, one of the, you know, I didn't put it in there, but one of the things that came to me and I was like, is it any wonder, you know, that a studio system that allowed Harvey Weinstein to thrive doesn't understand the concept of consent when it comes to actors' bodies and images and voices. Yeah. And so that mentality that they have and the way they look at us and view us not as human Um, It perpetuates this environment. And that's why it's important for actors to understand that you must retain your agency with your body. That's it's that's what we're fighting for right now. Mm -hmm. It's about it's about so much more than, you know, getting paid to, you know, be scanned or whatever. It's about like our culture, our society and your rights as a human being that you're fighting for. You know, another thing that bothers me is like that some of these companies are saying about these uh, these diverse avatars. They're like, well, we're just trying to bring diversity into the company. It's like, well, why can't you just hire diverse mm-hmm. models and act Access, like like yeah. actual humans? Like, what what was the problem with humans before? I don't understand. I, I get it that they're trying to save money. Then just say we're trying to save money, but. Why are you saying you're trying to be diverse? Just be diverse. Just exactly. Hire. It's a spin. Yeah, it's gaslighting because it's like, no, no, no. You what you're thinking is wrong. We are being diverse. <laughs> like we are doing it, mm-hmm. but that's not what's happening and that's why it feels wrong especially those of us, you know, that are mixed or diverse, you know, or it's like what the hell, you know, like I could have had that job. My friend is, you know, talented in that race or that whatever, you know, and like could have been in that role. And so we can see it. And that's why, you know, like you guys are saying, understanding what SAG is really fighting for right now, because, and I do feel it's much more than just about our industry because, you know, it's already touching, you know, like Levi's is already doing this, Um, you know, like this is going to be a worldwide thing that we need to fight for. Well, yeah, and film and media has the potential to really affect the way that we as a society think. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, it's important that we carry on with the progress when it comes to the diversity that we're seeing on screen and not go backwards. Yeah, and to to instill in each of us, particularly those of us that are diverse, um, women, mixed race, you know, everybody... um, to feel and know, you know, a sense of empowerment to be able to speak up for yourself and um, what is right for you. And that's what I hope grows from this as we 
you know, grow with AI because I think AI is an incredible tool. Like AI is like, it blows my mind, the things Mm -hmm. that it can do. Um, but to use it in a way that's actually helping us progress. Um, there was uh, news that came out recently um, about um, uh, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, Johnson or Johnston, I forget his last name, um, about The Rock. And he uh, had a wax figure. Somebody made a wax figure of him in this Paris museum. So The Rock, he's mixed race. And um, you can find a picture of this online. If you look at it, like, you know, it just got, you know, ripped apart online because he looks white. It was whitewashed. And so this is, you know, if you want to call it an avatar of a mixed race person, but it was created through the lens of somebody who knows what that person's life experience is or anything. Mm-hmm. But it's just an example of this is what can happen. Like yeah. if they create mixed race avatars of us, even somebody that is as well, like everybody knows the rock. Everybody mm. knows what he looks like. There's a million pictures and videos of him out there. And they still did that to him. And he, however, has already spoken up and they're going to be changing it. He has that say, and all of us need to feel empowered to have that say and to say, no, you know, my eyes are really like this, you know, change it. But we have to have first the consent to be able to do that, the power, the legal right to be able to do that. Yeah, I did read about that. And the the person who created the wax figure said that, you know, she was, they were working off of online pictures and everything. And so I actually went online and I Googled like Dwayne Johnson, The Rock photos. And I was like, let's see what she's talking about. Because yeah, sometimes the flash is really strong, the lighting strong, and it does make someone's skin look lighter. So I was like, I want to go and see how, and there's plenty there are photos where he does look a little bit lighter skins but there's plenty of photos where he almost looks like black in them so yeah I think that that's a poor excuse yeah he's mixed black I mean it's like (laughs) yeah it is a poor excuse you know with America Ferreira did and I mentioned her in my article yeah she did an interview about Barbie and she talks about how she never saw herself in the Barbie world she never saw Mm -hmm. herself making a Barbie movie because she never resonated with Barbie. She wasn't represented in that way. That is, um, you know, to some people maybe that didn't grow up in the same way like we did, um, they won't understand. And that's why it's important for us to have a voice, um, but understand the issues at hand so that you continue to speak up, you know, for yourself. Yeah. Um, and not be like, oh, it's okay. They lighten my skin. No, that's, you know, that's not okay. Yeah, it's not okay. There's um, basically the topic of generative AI. And so it's kind of like now with ChatGPT, every time we're interacting with AI, then the AI is learning about us and expanding its pool of information. And that's what's going to happen as well as we use AI in the industry. Um, Actors' performances will start to feed into this pool that of knowledge that AI has in order to like replicate or build performances uh, in the future. And if we have people that are not necessarily diverse <laughs> that are in charge that are are pulling the strings, they have the power to create new narratives that aren't necessarily based on truth and fact and start spinning our stories 
and our life experiences into something new. And that's mm-hmm. kind of scary. It is. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's, you know, we we're talking about the inauthentic representation and we want our stories to be told, you know, like yeah. the three of us are all mixed race, but like, you know, Hanali, you have like this incredible unique experience that's different from mine. And so do you, Amy. And so, you know, so do I, and each of our stories needs to have a chance to be told, you know, and we all have different personalities and we react to things in a different way because of our life experience as a mixed race person, because of the other things we've been through. But if you have people that are able to control, you know, not just the appearance, but also the emotional performance of an mm-hmm. AI avatar of yeah. you, then somebody is overlaying their idea of how you should be feeling in a mm-hmm. certain moment. Um, I was reading an article, uh, Keanu Reeves did, did an interview for John Wick 4, um, it was in uh, February, and I was like, oh, this guy's brilliant. Um, he was talking about how um, he actually has a clause in his contract already. He already has a clause in his contract um, saying that um, his digital image cannot, he can't be digitally manipulated unless he gives consent. And yeah. it came from some project, which he wouldn't name, um, that added a tear that he saw they added a tear to his, one of his scenes. And he was like, you know, what the hell? Um, and so since then he has had this clause, but how does he even know how I many know. tears came out of his know. eyes? Yeah. Keanu's like, I, that was, was not- two tears and I know. <laughs> In my book of tears, I know that I'm currently at 2,553 tears, and how dare they? Oh, Keanu He has a special category for single tears as well. Like, there's like regular tears, and then there's like the single tear. But But you know what? Either way, good on him. He realized, and he called it out, and he got this new clause. No, that's a, that that is really that's a it's amazing. We love we're just throwing it out there to the universe that would you like to come on the show? Please, Keanu, <laughs> come join us here. Um, but I'm glad I wanted to also talk about that the section in your article called "Erasing Real Bodies and Falsifying Emotions" because it is really worrying the fact that we already have all this stuff about body image coming at us left, right and centre on social media as well as obviously film and TV. But now what? Oh, there are certain ways to cry. And you can just imagine young girls like conscious, self-conscious of like needing to cry in a certain way or needing to laugh in a certain way because that's what's being told to us. It's really scary. It is. It's really scary. And then, you know, that uh, inability to know what is real and what's not real. Yeah. Cause then, like we, you know, as adults will look at that and be like, what the heck is going on there? But as like children seeing that they will learn from those things and compare themselves to that. Like, I'm, I'm so glad that at this point in our lives, we don't have that experience yet of like, you know, people that actually cry like that or express joy like that, you know, as AI uh, actors eventually will be doing, we don't have that experience yet, but it's coming. And so then, you know, how are children that are growing up with these, you know, synthesized emotions going to, you know, compare, like, it's not just like on the outside what they're comparing themselves to, but their emotional world on the inside will be impacted by that. Cause it's like, oh, you know, well, I don't cry like that, or I don't express my grief like that, or, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not happy in that same way. And that's, 
really scary to me. That's that to me, that can be very emotionally damaging to someone, especially because what we watch, we find solace in, you know, like after a hard day of work, you know, I don't, you know, like go and do certain things. Like I like to sit down and watch a show, you know, or we watch a movie to relax and then we're all taking that in. Um, So that's the other, you know, part of it. That's really important is to retain the human, the humanity of ourselves, you know, within, um, particularly within emotion, because that is a human thing. It's only a human thing. Right now, there's this whole thing on Amazon with these like best-selling novels that uh, people are taking, and then they're just throwing them into AI and generating these like sort of uh, copies, like slightly uh, watered down or, or similar versions of these bestsellers, and then selling them and making money off of that. And so they will be able to do that with you know actors' performances. They'll be able to take a performance and then like sort of create some sort of copy like slightly you know different version of that and then you're losing all of the the nuance and they're not saying on amazon like oh this book was is based off of that original novel they're just saying this is here is another great book for you to read and buy Mm. so it's not it's not happening right now it's not regulated and yeah it is scary to think that yeah kids will be potentially Kids and adults will be watching stuff and there won't be, there'll be a point where we don't know, is this real or not? And what are, what are we missing out on? What nuances are we missing out on? I, uh, I have this twitch in my left eye from the accident I had when I was a teenager and I can't feel it when it's happening. Um, I, I notice that it is there a little bit more when I am emotional or self-conscious, but I can't feel that it's happening. Someone has to tell me you're, you're winking at me kind of thing. And yeah, I wonder, you know, I I feel ambivalent about it because I've always been self-conscious that it could get in the way of my work. If it's like I'm on set and there's an important scene and there's, it's the close up shot and it's the end of the day and like, we really need to get it. And then my Twitch gets in the way of, of the scene. And at the same time, it's a part of me. It's part of what makes me human. It's part of my life story. Mm -hmm. Um, it's nothing I can do to, to reverse the nerve damage (laughs) in my eye. Um, yeah. And it's like, a there's two sides to it. On one hand, um, AI could help us like save a lot of time and money and, and help things become more efficient. And so, yes, in that particular case, let's say we're on set and we've been on set for 12 hours and my Twitch is really just, we just need one shot without the Twitch because it's like not relevant to the story right now. Um, So we could remove that. But other times it's like, it would be a shame to remove that. Well, yeah, I don't want a a world that's perfect where people don't Twitch and people don't have these idiosyncrasies, human idiosyncrasies. I feel like, yeah, I definitely don't want that world. And if I was a filmmaker, I would just leave it. Yeah. Even, you know, when we're, we've been editing this podcast, initially I kind of wanted to clean up all the audio. And then later as we, you know, worked a little bit more into it, we were like, no, let's bring those mistakes back so that it does sound like a natural conversation. Yeah, people stutter. Robots. Yeah, people stutter and and they swallow their spit and they they do the that sound before they, you know, we we did 
we still do. We still take out quite a bit of stupid things we say, but we try <laughs> we try to not take everything out. Leave some of the stupid things. Yeah. And and the same thing, like we've used we've used Chat GPT to help us um just to like organize some things, but so often Amy will be like there's no soul. Oh, yeah. There's no soul in this. That. There's no personality. It's got zero personality. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about the scary things that, you know, that could happen if AI is unregulated. But let's say that it is regulated. What are the positives that could come from AI? So when I first moved to LA, I did a lot of background acting and um, it was partially for money. And then it was also partially, you know, to just gain experience on set. But there are some background background actors where like, that's what they do. Like, that's how they make a living and they're good at it. It's not the best job that everybody wants to do. And I was like, gosh, if we had consent and um, we had pay, you know, for every time like digital avatars used, I was like envisioning, um, you know, like a background actor database where people voluntarily, you know, have their digital likeness or their voice on there. And then, you know, studios or productions would go on there and be like, okay, I'd like to use this person and basically like a bid on them. And then like the background actor gets to say, "Mm, no, yes, you know, have say, you know, and then they can make some passive income too. I'm like, okay, well I could be like in that film and then also still work on set, you know, over here. And it just can create all this opportunity, but that's like with the consent, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, for somebody to be able to say, yes, I license my image to you just for this day, just for this thing. Um, That is like, if like, I think about that if like if I had something like that whenever I first moved to LA I'm like oh my gosh I wouldn't have to have done all these things you know like be a starving artist in the same way um so that's you know and then also just as a as a filmmaker as a producer it's like oh wow I could really save some money like you know, finding locations, especially as an indie filmmaker and like locations can cost a lot of money and the permits and everything. It's like, wow, like if I can create a, you know, digital location, um, you know, like on the, uh, you know, where it doesn't look like a crappy green screen, you know, like with AI that could create something really beautiful. Or like, I write, I like to write sci-fi and fantasy could create like something like that. Um, that would save like, a lot of money, particularly for indie filmmakers, you know, mm-hmm. when it's a studio that has a lot of money, I feel like that's a different story. Um, but it kind of, it brings more things affordable to indie film and can actually like transform the indie filmmaking process because it, it makes things more accessible in a certain way. I played a role on uh, a show where I was like covered in blood and I had to like I was just covered in blood for like 14 hours that day and I was freezing and I couldn't wear a robe because it was making the robe bloody and and my feet were cold and it was like really sticky sticky stuff and like would have been really nice if uh, the AI version of Hannah Lee worked that day you know I'm not (laughs) I don't want to come out as a lazy actor (laughs) but I wouldn't mind wouldn't mind if some of those days that are like Especially if like, I don't know, you're PMSing, you've had a, you've had a tough day and then you're like cold and covered, you know. Being cold on set is just not the one, especially when you don't have many clothes on and yeah. 
Yeah, but there's there's certain uh, shots and takes that you're like, I I mean I do obviously want to take authority on the character I'm I'm playing, but there's certain shots that you're like, I'd be okay if they used you know um, the AI version. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to get into the the nitty gritties of things, but what is the AMPTP actually saying? Are they saying that they don't want to regulate AI at the moment? Um, so as of today um and this recording day today not day of release of the podcast there hasn't been much word about ai because they're still in the middle of negotiations so the last we heard of what was proposed by the amptp was what we mentioned earlier in the podcast you know about background actors being paid for just half a day's work and you know they get to scan their body and use them however they want for all of time um, so obviously like that, you know, it's past a hundred days now, like you said, so I'm sure things have changed at this point, but you know, all of that has not gotten out into the public. Um, Justine Bateman, who's been uh, very outspoken about AI, she's actually an AI consultant for the SAG negotiating committee right now. Um, she's a great resource. Um, if you um, go to her Twitter page or follow her on Instagram, she obviously can't say anything about the negotiations. So you can go back through her stuff and see some of the things she said. And one of the things that she has said, um, which I put in my article, um, is that the studios uh, during negotiations after SAG actors went on strike, they wanted to feed their generative AI models with 100 years of past acting performances without any consent from the actors. So that is one of the last things that she said that they wanted to do. And that's why AI is still a sticking point. So where they are now, um, you know, they're in the middle of it. So they can't release anything yet. But that was one of the last things that was put out there. Like you said, this isn't just about the entertainment industry. It's about AI regulation for the entire world and for humanity right now. And it is really critical that we somehow get it regulated in the industry because it could set an example for other industries Mm -hmm. as well. Well, let's uh, just kind of wrap up everything we, we, we touched on this episode We talked about inauthentic representation. We talked about uh, the illusion of diversity. Uh, We didn't mention this term, but digital blackface or digital yellow face. We talked about the ethics around generating diverse avatars. Is it even diverse if uh, the people on the payroll are not diverse? Mm -hmm. We talked about... um, the dangers of erasing like real bodies and nuances and and twitches and ticks and mm-hmm. and tears things that make you human <laughs> yet oh. and tears and tears and single tears we just basically highlighted exactly why the union is fighting and why we're all standing together in such solidarity yeah i mean i've definitely learned so much from this episode <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us. Yeah, yeah, me too. And what do what do you guys think, uh, the listeners, about what's happening? Do you guys have any thoughts on uh, some of the things we we discussed today? Do you have any ideas on how we could grow together with AI and how we can also protect ourselves 
as uh, we face all of these changes that are happening so rapidly around us. Mm-hmm. And how we can help the progression of diversity as well. I mean, as far as the progression of diversity, I mentioned this in my article, you know, um, right now, and especially whenever we start to see AI avatars, you know, everywhere, uh, it's really imperative to support diverse actors and filmmakers mm-hmm. and writers so that our stories do continue to be told as simple as like posting about something that you liked, you know, a TV show, a film on social media, um, that actually is something the studios pay attention to. They take Mm -hmm. their data from that. They're looking at that stuff. So um, if, you know, you're in the industry or not posting about something that you liked with diverse people behind or in front of the camera is actually really, really helpful. And it helps artists to cultivate their careers and then build an audience, um, which is really great. And, um, you know, I think it's not about anything, like anything that's new. It's not about getting it perfect. It's about, you know, okay, we took a step and wow, that wasn't, that didn't work. Okay. So maybe we move in this direction. And so I would say like, it's good that we now and other people are aware of kind of, you know, the avenues that we could go down with AI that won't work. Um, But then like to continue to come up with those ideas and think about, okay, but this is an incredible tool. So how Mm. can it work? And I think we're just discovering those things, Uh, you know, so um, just as much as we're thinking about, okay, this is not good. (laughs) This is not good. We don't want to do this, but then just to stay with it and not just say, okay, well then we don't do it at all. Nothing at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't agree with that. I think it is something that can be used, um, in the right way. Um, so, um, and maybe somebody listening is that person that's like, oh, but I have an idea, you know, where it can be really useful and really great. Mm. And that is the kind of thing that we need right now. I feel like with AI, there's people, people that are visionaries that can see um, those uses for AI and where it can really help us to progress. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. It was so wonderful talking to you and learning about this with you. Um, you can go to Mam's website to read the article. Um, we'll also put it in the notes. Um, is there? How can people find you or follow you, Joanna? Uh, yeah. So, um, like you said, my, the article is up on mixedasianmedia.com, um, and there's also an audio version of it. If you are lazy and don't want to read it, <laughs> or you want to hear my voice, you can do that. Um, but as uh, on social media, I'm on Twitter and Threads and Instagram, uh, all at the same handle. It's at Joanna underscore Key. That's J O A N N A underscore K E. And then my website is joannakey.com. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Yeah. And thank you to everybody who's been listening. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode before that. Um, and we're just, we got one quote for you. Whatever it's going to be. <laughs> I was like, do you want me to come up with a quote? <laughs> We're we're gonna chat GPT. Chat GPT, can you give us a quote? Actually, let's do that right now. Okay, Chat GPT gave us this quote by Meryl Streep Acting is not about being someone different, it's finding the similarity in what is apparently different. 
than finding myself in there. I'm going to ask for another. Maybe, maybe to do with diversity. Okay. Um, ChatGPT gave us this quote. Diversity is not about how we differ. Diversity is about embracing one another's uniqueness by Ola Joseph. And just to point it out, we don't usually use ChatGPT to get quotes. I think we can find a better one. Okay. Thank you so much to everybody listening. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Um, as always, you can connect with us. Our email address is on the show notes. Um, you know where to follow us on social media. If you don't, again, on the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, um, please share it with your friends and family. Also, we would so appreciate if you rated our podcast and if you had it in your heart to leave us a review. <laughs> Every review counts. Um, it really does. Yeah, and on that note, we'll see you next week. Yes. Bye. Bye. Bye, bye, Joanna. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here with you. This episode was produced by us. Music by Matthias Kunzli.